You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey everyone, and welcome to our first show of the new year. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining us. As always, happy new year to you. And uh, hope that you are using this time to work on your business, maybe not in it so much. Get those systems rolling, that automation rolling, so that you can make running your business easier. As always, my name is Paul. And my name's Rob. Very excited for 2022. I'm sure, like a lot of us, glad 2021's in the rearview mirror. Although, as we look back, there's still a tremendous amount to be thankful for from 2021, even though it was kind of hellacious. Um, always something to be thankful for. And uh, we'll start with you guys. Thank you for listening. And we are uh, ready to rock and roll this year. Yeah, you know, something I'm grateful for is that even though we got broken into on Christmas morning, uh, not that much was taken. So uh, there is something to be grateful for. And mindset is everything, as always. And, you know, something, Rob, that I heard this weekend that I wanted to share on the show was oftentimes, and I am guilty of this myself, ladies and gentlemen, but oftentimes we want to uh, whine and complain and focus on the negative and oftentimes that we, you know, vent to our friends. And one of the things that I heard this weekend that really uh, connected with me, might connect with all of you as well, is the notion that a connection made in dysfunction does not equate to growth. Meaning that if you connect with someone over a complaint, over negativity, that uh, you're not really getting much out of that and uh, neither is the other person. And uh, it's something to think about because if we're so focused on the negative all the time, how do we make space for the positive? So That's good. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good as well. It makes sense. I mean, anything can be redeemed but you're not getting started off on the right foot, that's for sure. Yeah, it is very for sure. Uh, That said, today's show, we're going to be focusing on search and rescue once again, going over some different applications that might help all of you with search and rescue. And I just want to preface this podcast and uh, the question that we got regarding this. Um, But it's a quick reminder, when it comes to search and rescue, there are two things that we have Uh, we have to face and focus on as drone pilots. Uh, Number one is that when you get into search and rescue, you really know what you're doing um, and you're really focused on uh, running search and rescue operations systematically, whether it's thermal and uh, digital, whether it's just digital or just thermal, you have got to have your systems in order in order to be effective. I've seen so many drone pilots who, you know, they want to get in search and rescue and, and bless their hearts. They're, they're really doing, their intentions are right. They're trying mm-hmm. to help, but oftentimes a slight delay, uh, a glitch, uh, a lack of preparedness can actually hurt the search and rescue operation more so than you're helping it. And this is something to just be so keenly aware of that you have a plan, a strategy from the start that is communicated. You have um, standard operating procedures with command protocols, etc. It's so important. The second thing is no one should be getting in search and rescue unless you have the ability or culpability to look the victim's family relatives in the eye and say that 
you couldn't find the person or it wasn't helpful. Uh, you have to be able to deal with that conflict because uh, one of the other biggest issues that I see all the times is that people come in super excited. Hey, we're going to help. We know this helps. And then nothing like they are not actually able to help and they kind of set an expectation that's not met. And that can be really devastating emotionally um, to people. And, you know, everyone's mm. like, well, emotions, emotions, like, look, emotions do matter, but emotions cannot rule our lives. Cause if we're making decisions off those emotions, we're not making good decisions, which is a really hard thing to come to terms with myself <laughs> included, because oftentimes we, we make decisions based off of how we feel. So, so look at social media. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Especially. Or don't look at social media. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, uh, I've saved myself at least uh, a few doctor's trips by lowering my blood pressure and not being on social media so much. Um, but I just wanted to, you know, kind of remind everyone, you know, it, it's a valiant effort to do search and rescue. And, and we love that you're trying to help people with drones. Um, we just, you know, want to remind you, make sure to have a really good plan. Uh, make sure that that plan is executed systematically, but also um, be aware of what you're really getting into. Don't set false expectations and, you know, be able to be able to sit there and deal with if you couldn't help, you know, being you know, having the, the gusto to confidently, you know, say, Hey, I couldn't help. So I think that's really important. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well, I mean, I think those are really important points. Probably the most important is make sure you're not cavalier about getting involved and that you talk to the right person who's in charge of the search, et cetera. And I think most of the folks that would be listening and wanting to get into the search and rescue field understand that. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing to note, too, is I wouldn't be getting into search and rescue if there is the premise of a financial gain. Mm. Um, you know, there are it's, it is great practice. Yes. For all sorts of elements of drone operations. But I wouldn't think of search and rescue as a revenue generating line of business. Uh, yeah. Everybody that we've talked to that's been involved has been it's sort of the altruistic piece of their business in many yeah. respects. Yeah. Which I think is awesome, right? Oh, absolutely. I just, I'm just making sure like, Hey, don't get into this for the money. You know? Of, of course. So. Yeah. Again. Yeah. I think most people understand that, but it doesn't hurt to mention it. No, it doesn't. Um, but let's get into today's question, which is brought to you by, we've got some trainings coming up. I know a lot of you have been asking for these in-person trainings. We've got, I think, six on the books. If you go to thedroneu.com, scroll down to the little wheel and you can see events and all of our upcoming trainings. Um, and instead of doing a big fly-in conference this year, we are doing the experience training. We had moved it from November uh, to coming up here in late March. Now, this experience training is a culmination of a lot of our different trainings. It's really to put you in the fire right away, but prepare you for these drone missions by doing trainings, going through the basics, going through the advanced motions, going through mapping, and then having students complete a real world drone job. And then they're going to be graded on it because it's better if you fail at a training than fail in real life. You can learn from that. Honestly, Rob, as I've said so many times, you learn so much more from failing and uh, you also learn the importance of humility, which brings up another amazing thing I heard this weekend, which is true long-term success is only possible in humility. And uh, as you have been working on my humbleness or humility for years now, 
it just, it clicked on a whole new level for me. And, mm. uh, you know, thinking of the cool. experience training and what drone pilots can gain from that. It's, it's really astounding. If you think about it, it's seven days long, you also do get coaching time included with that. You're going to be staying uh, on campus with us. It's going to be one of those drone adventures. I promise you do not want to miss. Uh, we've already got signups for it. So super grateful for that. And I, again, I think this is definitely one you're not going to want to miss. Uh, do we still have the page, the experience.thedroneu.com. Is that still up? Fantastic. So check that out. You can gain a lot of details on the trainings that we're going to be going over, which again is more trainings in one week than we've ever offered before. So don't miss it. I promise there will not be another opportunity this year to do it. Um, and, uh, to everyone out there who's reached out to us, uh, who is thinking about doing it, there are now so many people who have uh, reached out and said, Hey, I'm thinking about this. Well, if half of you sign up, then the class will be full. Because the thing is, is that one of the uh, main value adds for our classes is having small class sizes. So we're limiting this class to be very small. So you get the most out of it. So check it out. Experience.thedroneu.com. You won't want to miss it. Hi, my name is Colin Alalu. I run a drone company called Arctic UAV here in Iqaluit, Nunavut, Canada. Google the location. Anyway, my question is, uh, what software do you use for uh, search and rescue? We would like to uh, expand and offer our services to our local search and rescue. And uh, we fly all sorts of different platforms from the mini all the way to uh, M300, and we also fly the Wingtra, uh, which flies uh, planned missions and takes photographs. We also fly other drones that have uh, thermal capability and uh, such. So we have uh, all sorts of different uh, drones, and uh, I'm doing some research into search and rescue using drones, and it's to my understanding. Using video is not very useful. And going through all the pictures with the naked eye is not as good as using software. So, yes, please let me know what software you recommend. Thank you. Hey, Colin, thank you so much for the question. Uh, we always love hearing from our friends up north. And uh, I've not heard of um, fact. <laughs> I'm not even sure how to spell what you just said in terms of where you're at. But uh, I would imagine there's a lot of search and rescue opportunities from hikers and campers and explorers and so forth would be my guess. And maybe in part why you're wanting to get involved in that because there is such a need. But yeah, one of the things that I think he alludes to or mentions maybe directly is that you need an efficient method of evaluating the footage that you gather because city, even if it were video, I mean, just looking at it with the naked eye, it's going to be too easy to miss stuff. Yeah. Very easy. Very and it, yeah. So what does he do? What well, do they do? I mean, that, that is a perfect example too of the human eye missing things and, and we'll go deep and then kind of back out and go through the whole system here because there are some updates, especially with these newer, smaller drones that have dual payloads. It really allows us the opportunity to uh, be more efficient by taking thermal imagery and digital imagery at the same time. But to Rob's point about the human eye missing things, 
in our search and rescue class, PJ goes over some very specific images that trick the eye because you think that you're looking at something until you realize that our eyes and even our ears are so trained to hear or see what we think that we're seeing. Mm. Oftentimes we miss important details. And so there are actually exercises in our search and rescue class um, that go over these particular uh, examples. Now that said, um, you know, kind of updating where we're at with search and rescue. Again, with the advent of the Mavic 2 Enterprise Dual Advanced, the Autel Evo 2 Dual Enterprise, uh, both those drones that we have right now, um, you can... Uh, essentially comprehensively search a given area and shoot uh, digital images and thermal images at the same time. And, you know, one of the biggest mistakes that we have seen that we've tried to address in this class is that when you are given a specific search area to search, you really want to make sure that you search the entire area. Oftentimes we get excited or uh, we get distracted and we don't really think about how to comprehensively search that area. And so one of the, one of the first things that I want to say is Pix4D React. It's a very cheap, rapid orthomosaic construction um, uh, software, which by the way, we now have a class on that to start the new year too, uh, for members also in our props, uh, public safety uh, classes as well. But in those classes, I even talk about how Pix4D React is the absolute best software to check how much of an area you have searched. Because when you throw your images into the software, it doesn't actually read all the images. It takes the EXIF data off of the images and shows you a visualization of every image that was taken within a given area. So you can ensure that you get that comprehensive coverage. You can, even if you want to, to create a rapid orthomosaic uh, for command logistics as well. I've been seeing a lot of that uh, use as well. And I really recommend it. I mean, uh, just as far as a basis of, hey, step one, you're given an area to search. This is how you, you know, run an autonomous mission and you make sure that you've searched the entire area. Mm-hmm. But I can even step back because one of the, one of the other things that um, I think is overlooked is the usage of data. And many of you know, last year I took classes on data analytics and absolutely, I can't wait to go even deeper with it. But when it comes to data, we can utilize an application uh, called Lost Person Behavior. And with this app, if we have details on who is missing, how old are they, um, do they have any mental disabilities, physical disabilities, what's their age range, ethnicity, are they suicidal? Like all of these, all of these variables help us paint a picture of who we are searching for. And therefore narrow down where to search. That's exactly right. Using the application, it's a statistical analysis of every search and rescue mission hmm. and data for to give you a mean aggregation of how far someone typically traveled. Did they go to high elevation? Oftentimes in hiking search and rescues, if you don't have a phone or if you don't have a phone that has service, one of the uh, highest propensities of outcomes is that the person goes to a higher point of elevation to try to get a better better cell signal. And so this is often overlooked. This is why it's so important to gather data on who you're searching for and then use that in the lost person behavior app to say, okay, 
let's see what is the highest propensity of where this particular person is based off of their last known position. Hmm, Interesting. Well, it's critical, you know? Yeah. And just, I mean, age alone, an older person probably is going to be more, well, number one, they're probably not going as far, but number two, if they do get lost, they're going to be more likely to stay put because they understand that a younger person might be a little more cavalier and try to find their way out. Well, things it, like that. It's so interesting. Yeah. And things like, you know, take the example you just gave. And what if the older person has dementia? They'll actually walk a lot further, you know? That's true. So, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, these variables matter, you know? And oftentimes we just like search and rescue, look in this area, boom. And it's like, well, hold on, let's use data mm-hmm. to have a better plan of attack, right? Sure. And then when you do have that data and you understand the propensity of where someone is, then you can run an autonomous mission, capture photos, capture thermal, and then search through those photos. Uh, Now, in the past, we've talked about the Locate app. Um, I, uh, I, I don't know where, uh, that team is. A lot of people still think that I am involved with that team. Uh, I, I am not, um, but appreciate your consideration, um, and affirmation. So that said, locate was the app that we were training on. Um, we think that there are other applications that actually work, uh, just as well, if not better apps like locate, what they do is if you know, um, the color of someone's clothing, for example, and you want to search for that color in the images to potentially find someone, you can do that. Um, if you know the ethnicity and the color differentiates from the ground uh, at a high level, then you can use that as something to search for as well. For example, where that wouldn't work very well is New Mexico, mm-hmm. where you've got a lot of whites, browns, and blacks. You don't ha- yeah, yeah, and so that makes that hard, right? Sure. Um, and the environment that you're flying in is crucial as well. You know, a lot of people, their first strategy is to go to thermal, and that does work a lot. But there are also times when it does not work, right? What if it's so hot outside that the body temperature is not going to differentiate enough mm-hmm. from the ground temperature and you can't even see someone? You know, that that's that's something to factor in for. What about heavy foliage or um, very thick, dense forest kind of searching? Well, and that's, that's another fantastic example of where uh, digital photos uh, and, you know, comprehensively searching those photos through Locate or another application would not work, right? Mm-hmm. Because cameras are a passive technology. They're not shooting laser beams. Um, they are... Uh, can't help it. Yeah, no, I can't. Uh, <laughs> Got to throw up the little pinky when I say that. Uh, <laughs> but um, that said, that's a great use case of thermal, right? Because with thermal, we'll be able to see that radiant heating mm-hmm. some Sometimes through vegetation, sometimes we won't, depending on the density of said vegetation. So um, very good question, though, honestly, because there again, there are so many environmental factors to this. There are. And it sounds as though there's not one piece of software that's going to solve all of the variables. No, I don't think so. I mean, if we were to aggregate all the softwares together, lost person behavior will really help you and the search team determine where to search. Utilizing a, a mapping acquisition application to run your autonomous missions is probably going to be 
your second most important piece of software, something like Pix4D Capture, something like, uh, hmm. you know, DJI's uh, pilot app, if you're using the Mavic 2 Enterprise Dual, um, Autel's, you know, uh, flight planning app. Those are probably going to be, you know, y- your next best bet. Then on top of that, you're going to want to have some sort of system to hybridly search the imagery that you take, right? You you definitely want to have some sort of a mobile unit that has a big TV where you're blowing up those images and you can have a human eye go through them at the same time using a software like Locate or Pictera or MATLAB to autonomously search those images for colors or clothing, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is why we have our search and rescue landing pad because we have these swatches of various colors, like the most popular colors that are worn by males and females um, so that you can actually play luck that uh, color from the landing pad and then search for it in the software. Um, a lot of these softwares don't have templated palettes to search. And b- by using the landing pad, snapping a photo of it, embedding it into your uh, data set, you can now pluck the exact colors that you want to use. And the reason that you want to do this o- over just taking a photo online and and plucking a khaki color is because the actual color will deviate dependent on white balance, dependent on how the photos were shot, dependent on, you know, overcast, sunny conditions. So all those things matter. And that's why having the search and rescue landing pad, snapping that photo, now the photos that you take for the mapping mission will match the color gamut mm-hmm. uh, from what you're trying to select and search for. So that's a, that's a really big hack. Interesting. And uh, I don't think we've done a good job of explaining this to people uh, because I think those search and rescue landing pads would be uh, selling a lot better than they are. Uh, now that said, you know, from there, when you're autonomously searching through images with something like Locate, Pictera, or MATLAB, um, there are benefits to using different softwares. Certain softwares, you can actually train the software to remove false positives. And by the way, we are updating our search and rescue class here, hopefully in this quarter or the next one, to include this information because it is kind of like the next level of uh, advanced search and rescue operations. Because oftentimes, a lot of uh, what I'm seeing is a lot of police departments are getting frustrated with the amount of uh, false positives and false negatives that they're getting from certain softwares. So mm-hmm. our goal is to try to uh, eliminate that and uh, make it easier uh, to use as a whole. But pretty much, you know, we've gone through the softwares that we think are critical. Um, and just again, to to reiterate in one, you know, quick line, lost person behavior, picks 40 React to make sure you're comprehensively searching those areas, some sort of flight acquisition software, pilot, picks 40 capture, uh, et cetera. And then something like uh, Locate, Pictera, MATLAB to search through those images. And that said, uh, I'm, I, there's something that I just wanted to hit on that now I am, that has escaped my memory. Well, while you think about it, I'll just mention it seems as though one really important element of all of this is to have a very structured protocol slash system in place. Mm-hmm. Call it a checklist if you want. I think that probably is undervaluing how important this part of it is because without that you could potentially miss very important steps 
Well, yes. And, you know, something to consider here, ladies and gentlemen, is that we live in a litigious society. And if you're brought on as a contractor to search for someone and you fail at any given step, you are liable to be sued. I know that's like I, I know that's very dark. Um, and hopefully not realistic, but it is realistic. Oh, it is. And so ha- is. having these systems and the workflow guide and a checklist to say, well, I did this, I did this, I did this. This is the altitude that I flew based off of the conditions. This was the software that I used. This is what I searched for based off of what we knew. Um, and uh, the results were X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And to have that to protect yourself I think is going to be is going to become more and more relevant yeah. because people are evil. Let's be honest, and um, I don't want to assume that, but we have to uh, hope for the best and prepare for the worst, right? Hundred percent. So hundred percent. That said, it's an easy plug. If you haven't checked out our search and rescue class, please check it out. It's definitely one uh, you don't want to miss. Uh, personally, one of my favorite uh, classes. And uh, I have to say, um, search and rescue is fun because it's good practice for orthomosaics and running autonomous mapping missions. And it's good practice uh, in learning how to work with teams and, and having communication protocols. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think that that's pretty much the gist of it. If you are involved awesome. in search and rescue, again, like Rob said, be as systematic as you can because uh, you don't know uh, what you don't know and you don't know or who you don't know. Yeah, absolutely. And I would even throw this out there, Paul, correct me if you disagree, but if there's anybody that's been very uh, involved in this for a while and successful and maybe even running teams that wants to come and share their expertise might be a good option to have on the show. A hundred percent. Ah, that's what I was going to say. A hundred percent. I think we could definitely all learn from other people's experiences because one common theme we keep seeing in the news is how thermal is used uh, in order to find people. And I, and I, again, I think thermal is great, but again, we've got to ensure that we are using our time as best as we can. So if you've got one guy flying a thermal drone, just kind of flying back and forth, et cetera, and looking, I would want to make sure that I've got another drone above that doing the autonomous mapping mission, you know, to, to double Mm. check, which brings up one more thing in the SAR class, we talk about four different acquisition methods uh, for autonomous missions, Hmm. three of which we have never talked about in another class because they're very specific to search and rescue. And I'm not going to give those away right here. Um, And I'm not even going to give away the only software that allows you to do it uh, because it's one of those things that um, you really should be educated on this. It should not be uh, half-assed and egos should never be at play. We have seen egos at play in multiple instances. It's it's, um, sad and depressing because it showcases that the the user is more important than the search and that's never the case. So... Yeah. Well said. Well, thank you, Rob. And thank you to everyone who joined us today. If you want to check out the search and rescue class, uh, it is a part of membership. You can become a member at the drone We love and appreciate your support. And if you have any more questions regarding this, just hit us up in the community. You can download the community app on the app store or the Google play store as drone you community. Thanks again for joining us. My name is Paul. I'm Rob. This is ask drone you. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. 
We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.